It's Friday the 24th of February. Welcome to Afternoon Sports. Shad Wicker here, joined as always by Shane Lee. How are we doing, Shano? Mate, I'm not very happy. It's uh, We're now videoing our podcast. I have to go at 4 o'clock in the morning to do hair and makeup, mate. It's not good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I've got to tell you, fire your uh, makeup artist, mate, because having a look here, it's not doing any wonders. Uh, <laughs> hey, we've got a bit to get into today, Shano. I mean... The Roosters' salary sombrero has uh, come back into full swing this week, I feel. We're going to talk that in the NRL. Cricket, men's and women's, lots to talk about. And the BBC says goodbye to one of the great voices in sport. So let's just get straight in. In life, the most important thing is trust. Without it, everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time. Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands, an organisation built on people. They understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs. Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away. Whether it's for early morning coffee and pastries, long business lunches or post-work cocktails, head to District Brasserie in Sydney CBD. With a modern Australian menu created to hero locally sourced produce and a unique offering of charred meats cooked on a custom-built charcoal oven. Situated on the ground floor of Chifley Tower, District Brasserie is open from 6.30am Monday to Friday for breakfast, lunch and dinner. District Brasserie, sophisticated yet casual. Afternoon Sport. Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so, contact the Afternoon Sport Group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, we'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com. Let's kick things off with a positive. Let's talk the T20 uh, World Cup title defence from the Lemon at the moment. Now, Shano, we're looking pretty good. We're in a good spot. But what's the key to Australia being in such a great position at the T20? Well, the, the key is, we're, yes, we're in the, in the final now, beating India by only five runs, by the way. Australia scored four for 172, defeating India eight for 167. The key is going to be our depth. Um, and if you look at the stats... Well, stats in the semi-final, Mooney scored 54, landing 49 not out. Ash Gardner, who's the $500,000 girl now in the women's IPL, she uh, scored 31 runs and took two for 37. But our depth, mate, if you go throughout the series, Ash Gardner took five for 12 in early in the series. Georgia Wareham, three for 20 versus Sri Lanka after being out of the team for 16 months. Um, you got... Uh, Elisa Healy, who scored in three innings, she scored two fifties. Young Grace Harris took two for seven, her best figures. And you've got Talia McGrath, who chipped in with 57. So our depth is going to be our key. Yeah, it seems like we can get runs or get wickets from anywhere in the lineup, which yeah. is pretty exciting. Uh, let's just, before we move on to the Australian men's side, let's quickly talk about some other nations that were in a, a bit of a battle. England smashing poor Pakistan to secure top spot. Yeah, they are. And they take on South Africa in the other women's semi final. It's going to be an Australia-England final. Uh, the English girls now have scored 200-plus two games in a row, um, and, our, wow. and our Aussie girls are not scoring that many runs. It's Nat Skyver Brunt. Now, I'm not using rhyming slang there. <laughs> it'd, right. it'd be a good one to call, call someone a scriber. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I know, anyway, maybe a good, good sledge. But Nat Skyver Brunt scored... Um, she scored 50... Or 81 not out 
um, and 49 balls. Oof. Her sister chipped in. There's two, there's two Skyvers in this team. Um, oh, she scored. Say it was a full team of Skyver buds, mate. <laughs> she, she, scored two, she took two for 14 off her four overs, um, and they just smashed Pakistan all out for 99. Our England, England are also undefeated through this T20 tournament, aren't they? Yeah, they, um, I think they had a little hiccup early, but they, they finished top of the competition now. They look good. It's going to be one hell of a girls' grand final. Yeah, right. Now, let's have a look at the men's side at the moment. Obviously, just disappointment after disappointment in India, but uh, they have named a 16-player squad for the ODI series and a few names returned from injury. Yeah, it's a bit of a theme going on with this Aussie team at the moment. Uh, let's pick everyone who's been injured and <laughs> fly them over. <laughs> Glenn Maxwell broke his leg. Well, he's back in the team. Mitch Marsh is coming off an ankle injury. He's back in the team. Joy Richardson's done his hamstring. He's back in the team. Warner's gone home. He's with a broken <laughs> elbow, and he's going to be picked back in the team. But apart from but apart from that, everyone else is fit. Um, Sean Abbott, uh, Ashton Agar will come and hopefully play a game in the one-day series. He's been over there in the test team, not playing much. Kerry, Labashane, Smith, the usuals. Stark, Stoinis, Zampa, Cummins and Head make up the 16-man squad. Wait, did you say Warner is being picked or are you taking the no. piss? Because that is insane. No, he is. Yeah, he, really? It, I thought his like, elbow's completely gone. His elbow's gone. He's been smacked in the back of the head. Um, so they're going to fly him home for a few days and bring him back for the one-day tournament, which is I, I find just ridiculous. That's insane. And uh, lastly yep. on cricket, Cam Vancroft, fourth Sheffield Shield century for the summer. Yeah, looking good. Um, one guy who's scoring a lot of runs, though, the next best is only two centuries this summer. He's already got 767 shield runs, which passed uh, Peter Hanscom, who's been flown over and, and actually batted quite well in one of the tests over there in India. But look, he scored 176 his last match versus Tasmania. So you would think he might be uh, smoking out for the Ashes tour. Yeah, well, that'd be handy. I mean, obviously, we're, there's going to be some spots up for grabs, I feel, after what's happened in India. So... Um, Let's have a look at tennis. This will be an interesting one. I feel like the optics on this are the best, but world number three in the women's draw, Jessica Pagula. She had a great run at the Australian Open, but uh, one of the big stories that came out of her run at the Open was people realised her father is one of the owners of the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills franchise in the NFL, uh, the daughter of a billionaire. She's come out to, uh, demanding equal pay for the WTA and ATP tours. It looks wrong <laughs> when they write billionaire in front, doesn't it? <laughs> well, she's standing up for the girls, um, and I actually did had to do some research on this because I thought it was equal pay all over the tennis um, world circuit for both men and women. It, is, it isn't. It, in Grand Slams, the women and men get equal pay. But the ATP, which is the guys, they get 75% more than the WTA, yeah. which is a big, big disparity there. Um, but, yeah, would she be one hell of a catch? She's yeah. a good, good sort, good sort tennis player. Her dad's a billionaire, it's and dad's a, a footy team. Dad's a Buffalo yeah, Bills man, and the Bills are going pretty good at the moment as well. <laughs> it's a fascinating one, isn't it? Because you, you kind of on the surface when you look at Grand Slams, you go, "Oh, tennis is one of the most pay par- like pay equal yeah. uh, sports in the world." But it actually, yeah, there is a big gap between the ATP and WTA. I mean, obviously, the argument then comes into play, which is, you know, how many people are coming to WTAs versus ATPs. How yep. many of the WTA tournaments are getting televised as much as the ATPs? And then whose responsibility is that? It's such a murky water when it yep. comes to uh, pay yep. equality in men's versus women's sports. But if there is a sport that can get it even based on those uh, questions, it would be tennis because the women's yep. draw of tennis is so popular that the uh, arguments that people would put forward for things like AFLW in Australia or NRLW or even in some some cases of football um, – 
the argument wouldn't stand up in tennis because a lot of people do come to those tournaments and watch those matches. So, and maybe she'd ask Daddy to top it up. Well, actually, not a bad idea <laughs> if he could actually just buy half of the WTA draw. Then maybe he could get into there it. There you go. There you go. Uh, and before we take a quick break, the BBC says goodbye to the voice of football. Yeah, very sad. John Watson, aged 77, passed away after 50 years. 50 years um, wow. on the mic. Um, he was very well known for his sheepskin coat. Um, okay. when he, apparently, when he when he turned it inside out, he looked like a massive tampon. He <laughs> <laughs> <Wow. laughs> was sorely missed. Oh, look, let's take a quick break uh, because next we've got to talk some AFL, the Roosters in the NRL, and more. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. Let's have a look at AFL to kick things off here, Shane. Now, look, I, I'll admit, you know, you're the sports person. I've only played a handful of rugby league games when I was younger, all right? But eight-man leadership group in an AFL side, is that normal or is that kind of weird? Well, you know what? It seemed weird to me straight away when I read it, but I know the Swans pretty well, and they have one of the strongest cultures uh they're the Bloods, and um, and John Longmire is a pretty good judge. But, yeah, it seems a big leadership group. He's obviously trying to bring and make everyone feel like they're really part of this. Um, so he brings into the leadership group. So the current captains are Callum Mills, Luke Parker, Dane Rampey. Um, so he's brought, he's brought in now Isaac Heaney, uh, Will Haywood, and Jake Lloyd, and two others just to bolster that leadership group. But he's trying to bring on the next round of potential captains. Right. And now, so if you've got eight people in your leadership group how many people do you have on the field at once what is it it's like 18 on field so you're almost at half of your squad as the leadership group is that (laughs) (laughs) is that where we're starting to go here with the swans yeah. Wouldn't it be really tough to, to pick where you go for your team dinner? Like, who makes that decision? Is that by committee as well? That is just, I feel like it just sounds like too many. It's like, you know what I mean? I don't think you have to name senior players in the leadership guy. Yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah. Look, let's go to NRL, which is another more ridiculous one as well. The Roosters, we always say the salary sombrero, they've always got to make this money. Uh, the Dom Young story, which weirdly isn't entirely confirmed, which is crazy. Like, obviously, we all know that he's going to the Roosters. Um, yep. And, you know, that's that's not going to be a cheap contract that they're signing Dom Young to, to come over to the Tricolours. Now the story is, is that, uh, and there's mixed reports here, whether it was the Roosters that started this conversation or the Knights, about trying to get Dom Young to move over to the Roosters ahead of round one next week. 
That's the word. And Andrew Voss has come out and said he, if he was uh, Newcastle Knights uh, management team, he would have told him to go shut. Go for fuck themselves, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, go, go away and stop trying to poach my player. But the rumours are saying that there's going to be a massive transfer fee here. Yeah. And and do the Knights really need this money? Maybe they're really struggling from a cash perspective. I think they do. And, I, I would I would tell you that yeah. I think they do because you got to think the ownership like carousel of the Knights over the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, they yep. remember they got bought and then they had to like that change that. Then the club was bought back by the fans at some point or something like that. Like it was a lot of that murky waters I wouldn't be surprised if they do need the money and at the same time why do you want he's a gun player Dom Young we know he's really good we know that when he goes to the Roosters it's going to be an unbelievable weapon Daniel Tupo is the odd one out by the way so no Mm. doubt the Roosters have probably tried to ship him off to Newcastle and they've probably said no but you'd you'd take like do you want a player in your dressing room especially one that's so unconvincing as the Knights locker room at the moment do you want a guy that's got one foot out the door? No, probably not. But um, I think where the weak point is here for the, the Knights, as you said, they do need cash, I think. The other thing is I think they need a back rower. So they'll look to swap a player as well. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's yeah, it's yeah, a weird one for the Knights. I also yeah. love the story that they said that um, apparently Hastings really got into Ponga saying, you better win the Dally M this year. There's a bit of attitude Whoa. coming from the new signings to the Knights being like, you know, it's time for people to pull their finger out at this club. So maybe that's also in theme with it. It's like, well, we're not going to have someone yep. in here if we're trying to change culture. But then at the same time that the Roosters are signing this gun winger to their team and trying to move him over to their club early with a possible big transfer fee, they also signed Victor Radley to a long-term deal. Well, I, I thought Radley was going to be under a real, um, uh, real, real problems with the Roosters, just the way he, um, they, they call him uh, Victor the Inflictor, and he, mm. and he, you know, he, he muscles up, and but he keeps getting sent off in crucial moments. I'm sure that both the coach and, and Polias have stayed down and said, "Mate, you need to pull your head in a bit here." Uh, but at, at age 24, when he plays well, he does make a big difference to that side, and he's signed up for four more years. And um, apparently, his manager Sam Ayub has gone to Nick and said he wants to be a rooster for life, and Nick likes that, so he signed him for four years. Yeah, I mean, well, he's he's one game off 100 games. He's actually one of the rare, yeah. I mean, I say it's rare. It's not that rare, but it feels like it. One of those rare juniors that comes through the Roosters system. Yep, yeah. You, know, you always yep. hear the stories of them buying people, you know, Teddy yep. and, you know. Like, but uh, he's come through the Roosters system, so it is a big win for them. But I'm just confused about money because, like, he would have he would have demanded a lot of money on the open market if he had decided to go there. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, it's just another one of those cases where you're like, okay, <laughs> like how been, much is Dom Young costing him? 400000 a year? Half a million a year? What, what is it, you know? I don't yeah, know. I just but, feel like but, I'd love to see the list of salary cap uh, usage over the next uh, couple of seasons when they do that report again. Uh, there could be a few little top-up bonuses outside the contract. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder if there's a couple mm. of little paper bags getting <laughs> dropped off in people's houses again. <laughs> Quick one in boxing before we go. Tim Zhu has been labelled a gold-digging ex-girlfriend by Michael Sarafa. I love this sledge. And and we all know that Tim Zhu has been wanting to fight this guy and the guy pulled out 11th hour. And now he's saying, basically saying, shut up. You're like an ex-girlfriend, a gold-digging ex-girlfriend, um, just wanting a bout, right? And he said this. I, I just think this is great smack talk. Yeah, that's unreal. I mean... Sue's not known for his smack talk either, so it's like it's nice to yeah. hear any kind of rivalry he's got where some people are sledging at the moment. <laughs> Tim Zoo said he'll never fight Zarafa after that whole debacle of a fight last time. And Zarafa's also up against it because I think like Fox Sports and stuff don't want anything to do with him either because he's too unreliable of a 
like to, to actually get into the fight. So do you reckon you'll ever see these two fight? Oh, 100%. I think um, if Sarafa agrees to it, um, don't forget Tim Zoo's managed by the No Limits boys, George Rose and the guys over there, um, and they know what this would be worth to them and to the purse. Um, so they're really, really pushing for it. Yeah, interesting. And uh, staying on boxing as well, uh, a doping case <laughs> was thrown out due to a very strange reason. <laughs> so his name's Connor Ben, and he's been cleared of any doping charges because um, there were traces of uh, clomiphene um, found in his system, which apparently boosts your testosterone levels. Right. But he said it was he said it was due to eating too many eggs. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure Rocky That's never right. had that problem drinking all them <laughs> eggs. I don't think he ever got done for doping. You know, you know, what I, gr- <laughs> you know what I love about that story though? That Connor Ben, uh, that story came out that he's, you know, he's been cleared of the doping. And then Domino's put out a post which was a uh, photo of their pizza with a whole bunch of eggs on top of it. Um, just saying, yeah, this is the new Connor Ben special. And then Connor Ben replied, and good on him for getting back into it. And he was like, oh, I prefer Pizza Hut anyway. I'm like, hey, hello. Bit of <laughs> nice work. There was, there was a great cartoon, too, of, of an egg with a syringe in it saying it's got, got a bad egg. <laughs> that is so bullshit, yeah. eh? Yeah. <laughs> that oh, is no. one of the worst excuses I've ever heard. All right, that's it for Afternoon Sport for today. So make sure you hit follow, subscribe wherever you listen. Before we go, though, of course, thank you to our sponsors. Yeah, fantastic sponsors, Barclay Pierce Capital. They're ready. Phone call away. And, of course, Dan McHugh, who has been uh, putting it all together, the producer behind it all. We'll be back Monday with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to Afternoon Sport. If you enjoyed the show, why not check out one of our other podcasts? Like Lunch with Lee, former cricketer Shane Lee talks to celebrities, sports people, musicians, politicians and more about sports, music and business. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts or head to afternoonsport.com. Afternoon Sport.